Again and welcome to the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I'm intern Alex, joined as always by the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. And Patrick, it's good to hear your voice because last week's podcast, I ran into some technical difficulties, and halfway through, I lost you uh, because half of the file was corrupted, and I didn't realize it until a week later when I sat down to edit it. Uh, so our review of Super Clash. Three was uh, just like Super Clash Three, in my opinion, a giant disaster. So in the middle of it, uh, you just suddenly drop out, and uh, then I was faced with a choice: Do I want to re-record Super Clash Three? No, I do not. So mm-hmm. I finished it all by myself. Uh, there was only two matches to go. Uh, we we made it through most of it, but yeah. from when I pressed pause, we recorded it the day we watched All In, and I pressed pause so we could go watch All In. And then I came back down, and I didn't think anything of it. I didn't think to listen back to it. So half of the uh, podcast was corrupt. So it's good to hear your voice. Well, thank you. And yes. this, this week we're working with good equipment, so uh, I I know that this one will go go well. Well, that was a weird day anyway. You know, we had storms. My truck got damaged. Your uh, file got corrupted. So it, it was just a weird day all the way around. We had giant blow-up dicks walking to the ring. Well, yeah, it was a four-hour pay-per-view plus a one-hour pre-show. So, I mean, it was a long day yeah. to begin with. Yeah. That's behind us. It's time to move on to this week, the second week of September. And what do you have for us from the news desk this week, sir? Well, we'll just stick with it all in. What was your thoughts? What did you, you know, entertaining, not? A, a fan asked our opinion on our Facebook page, and I told him that I actually really Enjoyed it. However, I I could have done without the whole blow up dicks and all that. That was just too much for me. I I didn't mind the blow up dicks. It was part of a storyline. It's 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 comedy. It's it's something different. It was part of being the elite and the the murder of Joey Ryan. It was the conclusion of that storyline. I I enjoyed the parody of the Undertaker entrance because I think it's something that doesn't get parodied enough it's something that's never been parodied to be honest with you and i thought it was a really funny way of doing it the rest of the card i enjoyed quite a bit i thought the best uh hype to the match was was the cody and nick aldis match but not because of the in-ring work i thought the match itself was very bad i did not really yeah i did not enjoy the match at all but what i did enjoy and what we watched before the show came on was uh, it was billed as the pre-show on Fight TV, but it was really the 10 pounds of gold. I think it was the last episode of that before the match. The hype videos, the things that make you want to get involved in the match, the things that make you want to watch a match, the building of the match, and the entrances, the MMA-style entrances, I thought was really, really smart. 
even though Cody came out with, look, I'm sorry, you know, if your team consists of Tommy Dreamer and Glacier and DDP as your ring men, I think that looks a little ridiculous. But it does give it a level of seriousness to me because a lot of title matches, that's something that, that no one does, you know. That's something right. the WWE doesn't do. They just come out to an entrance theme and, you know, the hype videos to build that are just in-ring promos or whatever. This was something built entirely organically online through this 10 pounds of gold series. They had these unique entrances. You had the storyline of Cody and Dusty and the legacy there. And you had, you also had the storyline with Nick Aldis and uh, doing it for his family. And you know, this, yeah, Cody Rhodes is doing this for some sort of legacy and for history, but I'm doing this. I got to work, you know, I got to eat. And this is my this this championship is all I've got. You know, he's got a Ring of Honor deal and New Japan deal. Cody does. Nick Aldis, he's NWA. I mean, this is his thing. Yeah. And he also came out with the MMA style entrances and just the atmosphere they created when they came to the ring, I thought was incredible. I thought that was the most incredible part of the night, really, uh, was was the building to that match. The match itself, I'm sorry, Nick Aldis, I just don't really get into his wrestling that much. And, you know, the wrestling they did was kind of a throwback to, you know, old NWA wrestling. It you was. Know, it figure was. fours and just boring. I'm sorry, in my opinion, boring wrestling. Wrestling that I don't uh, really appreciate, but I understand in the context of what they were trying to go for. It's an NWA title match, so of course, and they've got a DDP run-in and they've got all this other stuff. So they're trying to incorporate the past into it. So I thought it was the best structured match. I I thought it was the best uh, build, and I loved the intros. And I thought it was the highlight of the night, really. As far as the best match that I saw of the night, that would definitely be the Kenny Omega and uh, Penta match was probably my favorite match as far as in-ring work. I would agree with you on that. That match literally over-delivered, in my, in my opinion. It was outstanding. And those two guys knocked it out of the park. A little too many um, false finishes, too too many two counts for me. But well, but I think that's a problem in the industry. That's as a whole. That's, yeah, yeah. That's not just uh, related to to that match. But I thought the card had a little bit for everybody. I mean, the uh, Joey Janela and uh, Hangman Page match was very for a plunder match was very violent. I mean, he did. I mean, Hangman Page did a burning hammer to Joey Janela on a ladder. I mean, that was just incredible. They took table bumps. They took ladders. You had uh, legends throughout the night. You had uh, Jay Lethal reprise the Black Machismo gimmick with Lanny Poffo in his corner. Yeah. I thought the, the, the card overall had something for everybody. For me, I loved seeing um, Tessa Blanchard come out, and there's her dad and Magnum T.A., there and I, I messaged Magnum, who's a friend of mine, and I just told him how cool it was to see him in, a, you know, close to a wrestling ring and all that. And he he just was ecstatic about how well the night went. And uh, big ups, man, big props to Cody. I uh, just, I mean, the very first father and son duo to hold the NWA title. That's that's impressive. Now, yes, it was his show, and yes, he did a a, a dusty a dusty thing by booking himself to win. But still, though, I mean, it was it was something that I feel is well-deserved for what he has accomplished after leaving WWE 
and uh, I I feel like it it's only it's only gonna you know be better for him. Yeah, I thought that the the women's match was very good, but that ending was very it was weird. weird. It was it's and almost like hey, here's the finish, and we screwed it up somehow. I, yeah, it was just because the ref looked lost. To and me. there 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 were minor glitches uh production wise and match wise uh because the marty scroll and uh, okada match went too long so that meant the main event had to be condensed yeah and so as soon as that pinfall happens and that six-man tag it's like They're three gone. two one we're out yeah. you know like uh it reminded me of barely legal when <laughs> the very first one with uh the power is gonna go out yeah. in any second now yeah i thought the crowd wasn't mic'd very well, but they were into it, and I I thought it was a really good, really good event. Uh, I have no complaints. It blew away probably any WWE pay per view that I've seen in a uh, as of very late. long time. That was better than a WrestleMania card, in my opinion. That was actually a very it delivered almost every match delivered to its hype, if not more. Yeah, and I enjoyed uh, some of the commentary. Uh, some of it I could do without, but I enjoyed some of the Don Callis. Ian Riccoboni did a good job. Um, so overall, I'd, I'd give it a very high score. I, I thought it was one of the best, and what I liked about it is how simple it was. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't, you know, uh, Katie Vick. It wasn't It wasn't corny stuff. It was, it was a wrestling card, you know, yeah. and I can appreciate that. Absolutely. Um, you didn't like the old style between Cody and uh, Aulis, but I, you know me, old style anyway. Uh, I I thought literally that was right there with uh, with Okada. Oh, that's ridiculous. That's I, one I of mean, the most ridiculous things I, you've ever said. No, uh, I really, I enjoyed the match that well. It was, I appreciate it being structured that way. But as far as me wanting to see that match again and again, no. That's that form of wrestling to me that has no business existing in 2018. That's just my personal opinion. I just don't I don't care to see that kind of wrestling. Well, I mean, you're going And I don't need a million false finishes and I don't need people diving. I just want a good wrestling match. Yeah. And and what I got from that uh, didn't quite deliver for me. Really? So, uh but I can I understand why they did it. So, uh but all in big thumbs up from from me. Uh Yeah. They they Cody and the Young Bucks delivered. I feel like they walked out there in hopes of proving a point and they proved it. Very, I mean, over and above proved it. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I I totally expect there to be another one next year. Yeah. So, absolutely. But speaking of uh, Cody and Nick Hollis, you know you're getting a rematch. Did you did you know this? We are at the 70th anniversary of the NWA at the Nashville Fairgrounds, October 21st. The old NWA asylum or the uh, TNA asylum. It's the only advertised match thus far, so I'm not too sure about actually driving up there to see it. Tickets are only 20 bucks, but. Uh, the big question is, uh, do you, you just go ahead and flip the title back to Nick Aldis or do you let Cody have it for a little while longer? I think you can at least get one more match out of it. So in my personal opinion, I think you should keep it on Cody, uh, until maybe the third match. 
Oh yeah, I uh, I agree. You have some type of a schmoz finish. You have some type of a run in or something, and uh, doesn't end cleanly. And say, listen, you know, we're gonna do this. We're gonna do this in a cage or something like that. I feel like that would be an old NWA way of of building it for the title change again. Um, well, yeah, and as far as the attention that that belt receives, it receives a lot more attention around the waist of Cody Rhodes than it does on Nick Aldis. And that's not a knock against Nick Aldis. It's just well, the way I mean, it is. Well, I mean, Ring of Honor and, and New Japan, they're able to. That's a lot of eyes on that title, and that's a lot of eyes on your product. Well, not only that, but just with being the elite, the web series that Cody's on, I mean, there's it, it gets so much more exposure when it's with Cody yeah. rather than Nick Aldis. Yeah. Oh, yeah. back to all in real quick. Cody's uh, Cody's weight belt, I loved it. Polka dots for uh, for Dusty, and then the gold for for Dustin, and then him with the flag for the American Nightmare. I thought that that made a statement. I, I liked very- his weight belt, but he was wearing it too high. Okay, <laughs> that's my only complaint about his weight belt. It should at least be around his pants like it was coming up around his gut and you know i just i thought it looked kind of odd at times in the match but uh i was waiting for him to do the hogan and take it off and just start whipping alice with it well he could have i mean earl let a lot go in that match i mean earl should have started a 10 count and i mean based on what we saw at super clash that cut to his eye that could have been a big problem but earl let all this go Earl, earl let ddp go in and run in and hit a Diamond cutter on Davari. That so. was awesome to see DDP back in uh in a ring. Uh but yeah, big ups to Earl, man. I gotta I gotta throw it out Ooh, there. Ooh, he's getting up there. He, he was is. uh he was he uh, struggling a little bit, but at the start, you know, doing the whole uh this is for the title. This is gonna be clean. You know, I don't wanna see I know both of you guys. Yeah. I I he was struggling, but I love Earl. I, I you know the second greatest referee of all time behind me. So, but yeah, it was awesome. But back to the, uh, the NWA 70th anniversary event. Uh, I I'm curious. I actually am thinking about going. I would like for us to go, uh, to check it out just because of what it is. Well, it's being broadcast on fight, uh, for $25 and that's, uh, a ticket is $20 for general admission, so it's cheaper if we just watch it on TV. We'll have a better angle. But there's not a bad seat in the asylum. Yeah, but you know what? TV cameras do a pretty good job, and uh, I like watching stuff on TV from the, the comfort of my own house without driving uh, two hours to Nashville and dealing with parking and everything else to get to uh, to Nashville, but... I might consider it. It's still a ways down the road. And, I got a, uh, I got a feeling that it's because the asylum holds like what three thousand people. It's a Nashville fairgrounds. I'm not sure how many it holds, but uh, once more of the details of the card come out, I'll, I'll be more interested. But I just feel like tickets are going to go fast when they go up. So. See, I don't think so. See, that's what's weird is you had the exact same match at All In. Yeah. And they sell 10,000 tickets, but you have Nashville Fairgrounds, nobody. But you also don't have Kenny Omega, you don't have Okada, you don't have... You might. You don't have the stars. No, you won't, because, I mean, this is an NWA event, so you're going to have, you know, Doug Williams or whoever, you know, you're going to have the stars of the NWA. Jeff Jarrett. 
Well, Jeff Jarrett will be there. I don't know that he'll be actively wrestling, but I'd and like to see more of the card before King I storm. Yeah, I, I I'd like to see more of the card before I before I throw throw my twenty dollars down. I uh I'm intrigued. Um, but what I was getting at is it's such a small venue that where it has you know a good seat anywhere you sit in the place. Uh, I, I got a feeling that once they announce the card and tickets are on sale, they're going to go fast. Man. Well, tickets are on sale. So, oh, they are. Tickets are already on sale, but like I said, there's only been one match announced. So, uh, unlike All In, where there was only one match announced and it sold out, um, but that was with the promise of you know the Bullet Club and everybody else showing up. So this is a different kind of beast. But I just I'd like to see more of the card before. Before I throw down my money, yeah. Even, even though I throw it down on stupid stuff like 2K19, which is going to have uh, fewer legends than last year and different legends, and uh, no, okay, here, bitch fest here, no Von Erichs, no Von Erichs, no free birds, no free birds, no natural disasters. Uh, what the hell? What the hell? No Arn Anderson again. He works for the company. He's backstage. Look, Can someone not just walk up to him and this say, hey, is a, Arn, would you like this, to be in the video game? This is a flare edition. You would think. Wow. Yeah. Good point. You would think the four horsemen would be a part of this. Tully. Give him Barry Wyndham. It doesn't have to be Oli. Barry, Tully, Rick, and Arn. I, just my opinion. All we can hope for is DLC. That's it. That is true. We might can pull that out with, you know, the horsemen that way. I'd love to see Tully Blanchard in it. I'd like to see Magnum TA in it, truthfully, because, you know, I'd like to I'd like to relive the I quit match if at all possible. Yeah, I mean they've made an action figure out of him. Why can't they make a video game out of him? Yeah. But um but yeah, I'm with you. Uh I, I'm really hoping DLC delivers to to a degree. Like, hey, here's some old NWA stuff and or something like that. The Rock. Yes, The Rock. We're going to jump to a little bit more up-to-date stuff. The Rock has a daughter. Did you know he has a daughter? Yes, he has a daughter named Simone from his first marriage. And she is how old, do you know? I did not know he had a daughter. I was not aware of this. Uh, Simone is only 17. So. 17. Well, she is now training at the WWE Performance Center. So we will very quickly be seeing, in my opinion, Simone in the uh, in a WWE ring. But I got a question. Are we going to see the return of the rock bottom and the people's elbow? That's the true, that is the true story of this whole thing. Well, they gave Charlotte Flair, you know, a, a variation of the figure four. So, of course, she's going to have a variation of her dad's moves. I mean, Curtis Axel even hits a perfect plex sometimes. That's true. So that is true. She's only training on a part-time basis. But the real purpose of this, and The Rock probably wouldn't say this, and, and Simone wouldn't probably say this, the company wants to be tethered to The Rock. Somehow, because that oh, yeah. means we can get the rock back for certain events. Yeah. You know, any way to connect to this guy, you know, we'll finance his movies. We'll hire his nephews, his nieces, his cousins, his daughters, 
whatever it takes to get Dwayne Johnson in the family. Keep him in the family because he's a, a huge movie star now. Second highest grossing movie star of the year. I mean, TV star, producer, they and WWE loves fame and they want to cling on to stars as much as they can. And so they will hire the in rocks. You could be rocks. Third cousin from a different mother in a different country. Twice removed. <laughs> Twice removed. They will, they will bring you in for a tryout because whatever it takes to get the rock in there, they'll do it. So, uh, good for her. I hope she, uh, gives it a go. Uh, unlike Noel Foley, who, uh, you know, wasted everyone's time with that reality show and, uh, didn't I, become a wrestler. I still so, have my hopes up. Don't think that's going to be happening. Uh, Speaking just, of Foley. Yes. There was another, uh, Foley in the news this week as Mick Foley returned on raw, uh, to celebrate the 20th anniversary of Hell in a Cell a few months late, by the way. Uh, because that happened at King of the Ring, and King of the Ring was in June or July. Uh, it's September now. Uh, but he was in the ring to celebrate the 20th anniversary of his Hell in a Cell match with The Undertaker. And then, strangely, which makes no storyline sense, uh, he was the GM of Raw, and right. he was fired by Stephanie McMahon. And the... the, the Off-screen reason was so that he could go have surgery or whatever. He needed a hip replacement, correct. But in kayfabe, it was because Stephanie is a bitch and she's going to fire the face GM. Yeah. Even though she she turned around, well, I guess Vince turned around and hired another face GM and Kurt Angle. Now we have Constable Corbin, so now we have a heel uh, authority figure. So everything's well and good there. But what's weird, so he says, I called Stephanie McMahon and I said, Stephanie, please, please let me be the ref of this Sunday's Hell in a Cell match between Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman, which makes zero sense from a storyline perspective that the, the, the lady that fired you, you would call up and say, hey, can I have a job? What, and he, it makes even less sense that she would say, okay, sure, go ahead, yeah. go right ahead. Yeah. So this signals to me that this must be a Mick Foley heel turn on Sunday. But then if it's a heel turn, they've been billing Braun as the heel. So that means Mick's not going to turn on Braun. He's going to turn on Roman. But Roman's still going to win somehow. Because I I don't see that Roman... They're not going to give Roman a one-month title reign. I think they will. I think, And here's why. They screwed Roman uh, uh, Braun out of... um, Holding the briefcase. Yeah, but this is this is his cash in. Yeah, this is what's being billed as his cash. Because he cashed in, the bell rang, then the you know the match never really started. So yeah, this is being built as his cash in. But I think if they're smart, he's going to end up winning that title, and Mick's going to turn on Roman. And uh, speaking of The Rock, we may have a, a Rock and Sock connection to where The Rock's like, hey, what the hell? And we have a you know a little thing with, with Mick and Rock. I, I don't know. Just throwing ideas out there. But Braun Strowman will be leaving, in my opinion, as a universal champion. I have absolutely zero confidence in that happening. Uh, Roman Reigns will retain. Uh, Mick Foley may turn heel, but I imagine... 
that the shield will get involved. Uh, the dogs of destruction or whatever they're called, bronze group, they'll get involved and maybe Mick Foley becomes a mouthpiece for bronze group. And because they've already got a rematch, uh, three on three match scheduled for the show in Australia, uh, between Braun and Drew McIntyre and Ziggler versus the shield. So I just, there's no way. The plan is, from what I've read, to keep the belt on Roman until at least WrestleMania 35. So, I just there's there's no deviating because yeah, Braun is a pet project, but Roman is the project, and uh, there's no way of getting the belt off of him. Now it could be totally a swerve, and and Mick could just be a referee just for the sake of having a referee. So true. I mean, we are reliving the greatest Hell in a Cell moment twenty years lighter so so while mick's returning we have another superstar teasing a return that's Shawn michaels because he came out and uh, he's supposed to be promoting a match between triple h and uh the undertaker last time ever in quotation marks again which has happened yeah last time ever the end of an era again at uh the australian super show and Shawn michaels totally turned the promo into a me and the undertaker promo so now the, the big rumor is Sean might be coming out of retirement to take on The Undertaker, probably at that Saudi Arabia show, which if that is the case, that better be broadcast because you cannot have a Shawn Michaels return not televised. That would Why be, the hell would you waste it over in Saudi Arabia when you could... That- well, $38 million has you do... I mean, when the country pays you a lot of money, you 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 do things like that. But, I mean, that that should be a WrestleMania, if at all possible, in my opinion. And I, I don't want to see Sean and Taker. I don't. I want to see Sean and AJ. Yeah, I want to see Sean take on, uh, you know, better opponents. Sorry. I mean, The Undertaker's just not the opponent that he used to be. Well, we- and, uh, and Sean, who knows what kind of ring shape he's in. He's in his mid-50s, you know. We've seen we've seen Sean and Taker. With- right. Well, don't get me wrong. Uh, one of the greatest matches at WrestleMania 25. Overrated, but it's fine. And uh, then the very next year, the uh, retirement match. But, I, um, yeah, I, I want to see Sean and AJ. I feel like that's the match that the world wants to see. I feel Yeah, like- people want to see uh, two of the, the best in the world, you know? And, uh... Undertaker's not not one of the best in the world. Sorry, not anymore not at this point. Yeah, yeah, not really. I mean, we're not. That's nothing against the man. It's just his better days are behind him. Yeah, he's coming in there to do squash matches, and that's it. So and you know the best in the world. Who's the best in the world? Ric Flair. Ric Flair is the best in the world, and he's newly married again. He finally married Fifi the maid. He finally uh, took the plunge. And uh, that's all well and good. Uh, the man's no stranger to marriage. No. He's done it many times. Many. And uh, But the weird thing is uh, there, there's these wedding pictures posted online, and you see uh, Charlotte and his other daughter there, and Conrad, who's engaged to the, to the other daughter. And you see all these happy pictures, and everybody's smiling. But then you see the picture of the first kiss, Patrick, and Ric Flair's tongue is down Fifi's throat. And it is just one of the weirdest things 
Because usually when they say kiss the bride, it's just a peck on the cheek or something. It's not. Right. I'm not here to see people make out, especially a 69-year-old man make out. But it is Ric Flair, so I guess I shouldn't be surprised. At least he didn't get his ass out or start walking around naked. So Dropping elbows on the, on the coat. You know. Yeah, it, it's just a very odd picture. It, go on Google and look it up. It, it It's really strange uh, for anybody. You know, if I saw my grandparents getting married and, and making out like that, that, that might bother me. Uh, that might scar me for life. So, <laughs> But it's Ric Flair, and, and he's the greatest. So congratulations to Ric Flair. And, uh, you know, she, she was with him when he was really ill. She's been with him through a lot of, uh, tough times, a lot of financial times was with him through the loss of, uh, Reed. And, uh, you know, she's been there, she's been there, uh, at least 10 years. I mean, she's really been there for him and well-deserved, I think. Uh, yeah. Uh, she, he can be quite a handful. Oh, I imagine a woman for a woman like her to be able to handle him to a degree that's that speaks volumes. Speaking of Charlotte, though, I want to jump back to Hell in a Cell. Charlotte and uh, Becky Lynch. I I really think that match is getting some steam behind it, and people are getting pumped about seeing this match. Well, it sounds like a good match, but the problem is, Patrick, they're having a rematch at the Australian show, and they're probably having a rematch at Evolution. Yeah. Uh, the rumored card at Evolution has them having another match. So it's like, how hyped can I get when yeah. you've already... When you've got when you're billing three pay per views in a row and you've already released the card for some of them, yeah, it's like how hyped can I really get? People love Becky, and uh, they've originally they tried to turn her into just a straight heel, but now they've backed off of that. And now she's more of like a, a vigilante, like a Stone Cold Steve Austin, where you know she's not cutting promos on the fans, but cutting promos on Charlotte. And it's really working for her. Yeah. And uh, this feud feels uh, really hot right now. And I think by the time Evolution rolls around, I think it is time for Becky to go ahead and take that belt because it's going to be time for Charlotte to start getting ready for Ronda and WrestleMania. I yeah. I mean, there, there's no... I agree. There's no other way around it. That is the WrestleMania match. And I so, agree. I think that's a good idea. It'll freshen up SmackDown matches. You know, uh, Becky's got... A lot of fresh matchups. And Charlotte, let's face it, Charlotte's fought pretty much everybody on the SmackDown roster. Hell, Charlotte's fought pretty much everybody on every roster. So That's true. There's one challenge awaits her, and uh, that'll be at WrestleMania. And she might have to win the Rumble to get there, but uh, it'll be very interesting. Uh, The dynamic between... She'll have to go back to being a heel against Ronda because Ronda's not going to get booed against Charlotte Flair. No. There's not a chance in hell. So and, and Ronda, Ronda's going to have to learn some technical stuff between now and WrestleMania because I love Ronda's style. Don't get me wrong, but it's a lot of punching and kicking and armbar. That she's hitting that five moves of doom, and it's it looks like a like a Goldberg match. I'm not worried about her moves so much. I'm worried more about her selling and about uh, things that she didn't do in MMA, like yeah. uh, selling body parts or you know, you know. Technically, she's she's on a higher. She's a former Olympian. She her yeah. skill level is far beyond her competitors, and that goes for Alexa Bliss or anybody else that she's fighting. So she's gonna have to really learn how to almost step down to their level and make right. it into a 50-50 match. 
sometimes when when it's called for. A, a match with Charlotte will have to be more 50-50 right. than a match with Alexa Bliss, who she should crush in 10 seconds. So. Right. I agree. And so they're going to have to uh, do a little something. Um, I don't know. She's just going to have to learn a little bit more techniques, in my opinion. But uh, another Hell in a Cell match, while we're on it real quick, um, Miz and Maurice taking on Daniel Bryan and Bree. All right. Bree, terrible. Hasn't hasn't had a good match since she's been back. No offense, nothing personal. Just how I, I don't feel. think she ever had a good match when she before she went on maternity leave. This is nothing against her. She's not a wrestler. Maurice, kudos to coming back already, only five months after giving birth to their little baby daughter. Um, well, the inclusion of the wives, I think they could have a good singles match with one another. I mean, not good, but. I think that's the direction it should have been instead of the mixed tag. But currently, WWE is starting that second season of the mixed match challenge. So I'm sure this is a way of kind of, in a way, promoting that. Yeah. But, you know, it would be much better if it's just Miz and Daniel Bryan because that's the feud. That is what we've been waiting for is for that, that blood feud to finally culminate in a violent, match and in my opinion in my eyes i gotta figure out a way to get the women out as quick as possible and you end up just letting the two men that, i just it. don't think that's gonna happen this time i, I don't either unfortunately which is gonna make the match suck but and i think uh miz and daniel bryan are booked for a match at the australian show so there's that's the problem with promoting multiple events at a time because yeah. it's just like this is just a lot of this feels like a filler pay per view. The one match on this Hell in a Cell card that has a little bit of my intrigue, and that's Jeff Hardy and Randy Orton in a Hell in a Cell, the only other Hell in a Cell match on the card. And I just hope that Jeff doesn't go swantoning off the top of the cell because he's in his 40s. He's already complained about back problems. He can do another high spot in the match. Like, if he took a ladder to the top of it and, like, hit a swanton on the top of the cell with it reinforced, that would be just as big of a pop. He doesn't need to go risking his life jumping off the side of the cell. But it's expected. Sit some tables up on the entryway. Yeah. He, he walks over, does a swanton. No truck full of hay, Patrick. No truck oh, hell full no. of hay. Hell no. But, yeah, no, I'm all for it. I, uh, I... I'm with you. I think it's going to be an outstanding match. There will be a high spot, and it's to the degree of how uh, how's it going to happen and how's it going to go down. Last but certainly not least in the news area, just incredible. Uh, my buddy has been arrested for a second time in 30 days. Um, yeah, PJ Polacco arrested in Waterbury, Connecticut. Misdemeanor disorderly conduct third-degree assault, and felony criminal violation of a restraining order. He's incarcerated at the New Haven Correctional Center in New Haven, Connecticut. He's listed as unsentenced but has a $50,000 bond. So there you go. Uh, Some tough times for P.J. Polacco, who uh, never really got a fair shake in the WWE, but, uh, you know. No, when he's won, won... Pablo Montoya, I mean, that was kind of 
rough. Yeah, but even when he was, I mean, he was ECW champ at one point, right? And then, and then they brought him in, and it's just like, yeah, oh, you're a bald guy in blue jean shorts. Well, we've already got one of those, and his name's Stone Cold Steve Austin, so yeah. you'll just be a jobber. So I feel for uh, PJ Polacco, but you can't go around violating restraining orders. And, he's claimed uh, his. Uh, He's cleaned. Uh, he's cleaned his himself up with uh, with drugs and things like that. So he's really trying to self improve. But I'm not sure about this one. This uh, unfortunately is is very sad. Wrestlers have a hard time staying out of trouble. Yeah, but this was your pick this week at Super Clash Three. We had uh, Wahoo McDaniel. He threatened to kill a man. Uh, Raging Bull Manny Fernandez, he wanted to kill him with a gun, and uh, that would end the rivalry. And I thought to myself, you know, that might be the first time I've ever, you know, the earliest incarnation of a gun promo, and that was from 1988. But that made me think of the most infamous gun angle in pro wrestling, which is Pillman's Got a Gun from 1996, which features the loose cannon Brian Pillman. Now, Brian Pillman had a very interesting 1995 to 1996. He went from being in WCW, a member of the Four Horsemen, to convincing Eric Bischoff, I've got this new character. I'm going to be a loose cannon. I'm unpredictable. Eric, what I want you to do, he worked himself into a shoot, Patrick, as Hulk Hogan would famously say. He said, Eric, to make this more believable, I am going to want you to release me from my contract so all the dirt sheets say that I'm really fired. And then he would show up in the crowd with the 1-900 free Brian sign. He also he had that infamous moment in the ring where he called Kevin Sullivan Booker Man. He was unpredictable. He was unruly. He was getting into fights in the crowd, yeah. uh, you know, not shown on TV, not acknowledged. So it seemed very, very real. And Bischoff said, sure, I'll let you out of your contract. You'll go down to ECW, and uh, a few months later, you'll come back. And it'll be a big angle and, uh, you know, just uh, an innovative angle uh, yeah. that, that Bischoff was known for. Very Well, this was, I mean, groundbreaking back in the day, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, it was slightly before the NWO came in, so Pillman made the right decision when he screwed over Eric Bischoff and decided to, you know what? I'm not going back to WCW because I'll just be lost in the fucking shuffle. Yeah. He would have been totally lost in the shuffle. So he's in ECW. He's getting ready to sign with the WWF, and he had a terrible accident in his Hummer. He was badly injured. He fell asleep while he was driving and hit a tree trunk, flipped his vehicle, was in a coma for a week, and shattered his ankle and would never be the same, even in the ring uh, he was very limited when he did wrestle in the WWF, but the WWF, even with him being injured and on the shelf, they went ahead and signed him anyway because Jim Ross was a real big believer in this guy. Former football guy, JR has a soft spot in his heart for these former football players. I, a- I think he was right, though, in, in Pillman for sure. Well, not only that, I mean, they saw the potential in him to be a heel commentator, which is mm-hmm. why they put him on Shotgun Saturday night. They wanted him as a mouthpiece. That's why they hooked him up with the Heart Foundation, mainly as a mouthpiece, and, you know, kept his in-ring pretty pretty limited. 
Sadly, though, you know, because of the ankle injury, he got deep into pill addiction and everything else and, you know, uh, just spiraled out of control until... We unfortunately it, lost him later on in 97, yeah, wasn't Yeah, Bad it? Blood 97 was... Uh, they found him dead the day of the show and went ahead and had the show. But this is probably the highlight of his WWF career, which wasn't a match at all. Yeah. And it's a very strange... What I mentioned to you before the show started was this is a very strange episode of Raw because this is building for Survivor Series 1996. And the matches don't mean shit. The matches on this show, this is something the WWE today cannot do, is have one angle dominate the show. But think about the build to All In and Nick Aldis and Cody. Imagine if that was like, the entire focus of Raw one night. Like, I mean, yeah, they had some maybe matches sprinkled in there, but just kept constantly reminding you this, 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 this. This is the angle. Don't worry about this other stuff. That's yeah. just filler. I really feel sorry for the people at the War Memorial Coliseum in Fort Wayne, Indiana, because they did not get treated to a very good wrestling show. No. Now, they got treated uh, on the Titan Tron. They didn't even have the Titan Tron, they had yeah. the Raw sign. So, yeah, they didn't get to see much of anything, they didn't really. Get shit. Now, also, what's weird about this so, Brian Pillman's ankle is all fucked up. So, he's not going to be at Survivor Series Wrestling. Yeah. The main angle here is Austin taking on Bret Hart, which isn't even for the title. Yeah. This is just a grudge match between two guys. The main event uh, title match is between Sean and Psycho Sid. They would be on this show for a second. For your main event. Oh, wait, no, sorry. No, yeah, your main event takes place at Brian Pillman's house uh, on Raw tonight. And by the way, Raw, only one hour. Man, this was a blessing. This was a real blessing after sitting through so many three-hour shows on here. Now, the build for this Raw comes from an episode of Superstars where Austin, who was formerly friends with Brian Pillman, but was never explained because the WWF doesn't like incorporating other wrestling promotions history. So you don't you don't get to know that they were the Hollywood Blondes. Right. You don't get to know that they were friends. Right. All you know is these guys know each other. So they're in the ring and they're palling around and Pillman starts going, the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be, and turns his back on Stone Cold Steve Austin. Now this did not sit with a heel Stone Cold Steve Austin one bit. Nope. So he took a chair and he smashed Brian Pillman's ankle, which was needing surgery anyway, so this is a way to write off Brian Pillman. But hell, let's use him for another segment on Raw coming up. So we start off the show with uh, a recap from last week's Raw where Austin and Hart had an interview on satellite. No face-to-face, just a satellite interview. Austin got cut off from the satellite interview, and he just started throwing shit. He was very angry that he was cut off from this interview. By the way, this is the November 4th, 1996 edition of Raw, by the way. Another piece of the show they talk about, can Shawn Michaels trust Psycho Sid? I'd have to say no, considering they're going to fight each other for the title at Survivor Series. They used to be best of friends. This was his old bodyguard. But just like Diesel, you can't trust these guys. No. You know, when when the title's on the line, friendships go out the window, Patrick. You and I are friends, but if there's a title on the line, I'm going to have to put that aside for a second and fight you for the title because that's the most important thing in the world. The title is and will always be number one. 
Jerry the King Lawler and Vince are on the call for tonight's show as JR was busy managing fake Diesel and fake Razor Ramon. As this was JR's brief heel turn here. All of fame. Fake, fake uh, Razor Ramon. That's right, Rick Bogner. They did induct Razor Ramon, not Scott Hall. He was Razor Ramon. That counts. Yeah. Kevin Kelly is outside of Brian Pillman's home. Stone Cold said. We're in, he, we're in Cincinnati, but yet it says Kentucky. Yes, we're right outside Cincinnati, but whatever town this is uh, outside of Cincinnati, not big enough for the announcers to acknowledge. So it's just Cincinnati. So Kevin Kelly, who I didn't remember worked in the WWF in 1996, is outside Brian Pillman's house. He says Stone Cold said he would show up tonight. Outside the home of Brian Pillman, I'm Kevin Kelly, where in just a few moments I'll be conducting a very special live interview with Brian Pillman. Now, this uh, uh, remember that this interview was announced last week on Raw. And in the wake of the announcement, Stone Cold Steve Austin threatened to show up here tonight live at Brian Pillman's home in suburban Cincinnati. Now, Mr. Pillman is here with his wife. His children have been sent to their grandparents in the wake of this threat. Now, you can understand Mr. Pillman. He's very tense. He's inside, immobile and feeling very vulnerable. It's a high-tense situation. What will Brian Pillman do if Stone Cold Steve Austin follows up with his threat and shows up here tonight live? I will ask him that question as well as the prognosis for his recovery in just a few moments live. Goldust then comes out into the arena with Marlena. Mr. Perfect is out with Crush and Hunter Hearst Helmsley. This was when Mr. Perfect was Triple H's manager as uh, Mr. Perfect would be uh, out the door very soon and heading to WWF to do some more wrestling. Very soon. These guys are all part of a Survivor Series team with Jerry the King Lawler, who uh, would have to try to be impartial during this match as an announcer. Mark Henry, Mark Merrow, The Stalker, Barry Windham, and Rocky Maivia all come out to face them. Barry Windham's such a great talent, and we just want to go ahead and put camo on him and call him the stalker I don't he looked like a giant spike dudley and that mustache needed to go oh man that was like some straight up hogan mustache yes so doc hendrix interrupts the match to say <laughs> so immediately the match just barely starts uh-oh doc hendrix is here and doc hendrix says that steve austin is on the phone and wants to talk to vince so we patch him right through. Austin says, Austin 4517 will strike down on your ass with great vengeance and furious anger, which is a Bible verse quoted in Pulp Fiction. So a little uh, cultural reference there from Stone Cold. Are you actually in the car on the way to Mr. Pillman's house? Damn right. I said I was going to be last week. And anything I say comes true, Vince. Yeah. You know that. I'm the biggest star in the world, so who's going to stop me? <laughs> What are your intentions? I don't understand. Why Why are you going to Brian Pillman's house? Hey, he's the one that brought this whole mess on. He took my interview time, tried to turn it into a shrine to worship, rent the hitman heart, and inspired a new verse out of the book of Austin. Austin 25-17. I will strike down upon your ass with great vengeance and furious anger, and that's what's going to happen. Mr. Austin, I must warn you, there is a welcoming committee there. Brian Pillman has his friends around that house. It is not wise for you to go there. And I got a six-pack of whoop-ass riding shotgun with me, son. 
remember, don't intimidate me in the least bit. If I got something to do, then it's going to get done. Stone Cold, Stone Cold, listen what? to King. Listen, that idiot Pillman threatened last week said he's going to have a gun there. All right, knock it off. Well, he yeah, said he that. got the guts. What? I'll do whatever it takes to get my hands on Pillman. You'll find out. Mr. Austin, we're what? talking about trespass here. We're not talking about something in the rustling world. We're talking about trespass if you make good on your promise. Well, listen, Vince, if something happens to me, I'm sure you'll make amends for it because I'm a big star. I'm in the big matches Survivor Series. You can't do without me. I can do whatever I want, and I've got the mindset, and I'm ticked off enough, and I don't really give a rat's ass. I will do what I say regardless of the consequences. Lawler warns Austin, hey, man, Brian Pillman has a gun, so... uh Wait you know, until Austin 316 meets Pillman 9mm. Yeah, so uh, don't go charging in there because this guy's got a gun, Austin. King gets off the headset to go join his team. Barry Windham hits a gut wrench suplex to Goldust for a two count. Goldust headbutts Windham and kisses him on the turnbuckle as he was in his androgynous phase. Yes, you said, you, you said it right. He kissed him. Yes. But Windham drops him into a boot. Austin, then, is on a pre-tape promo, and he cuts a promo on Bret Hart talking about quitting after WrestleMania 12, and you fucking quitter trying to go do your damn CBS show, you fucking loser. You're upset because you lost to the boy toy. <laughs> it was a good promo, it, all it, included. Yeah, you need to. It was awesome. The boy toy. It's weird hearing Austin say boy toy, but okay. <laughs> We go to break. Both men tumble outside the ring. The teams start brawling. Both Goldust and Wyndham get DQ'd. So we have our first DQ of the night in this match that really meant nothing. Rocky Maivia hits a crossbody off the top turnbuckle to crush and Goldust. And there you go. We cut to Pillman's house where Pillman has a foot in a sling up on the couch. This was the foot that he had surgery on. Karate Fighters presents Survivor Series. Now, did you have Karate Fighters as a kid? I did not. Did you have any? I did. I got mom to buy me some Karate Fighters. They're they're a lot like Rock'em Sock'em Robots, but unlike Rock'em Sock'em Robots where you press buttons and uh, they punch, uh, what Karate Fighters did, they had little knobs and you would swing them left and right and that would swing their legs around and eventually you would knock one off the other. One was solid in place, but one was loose and then both of their right. arms were loose. So you were punching and kicking and yeah. spun them around. One leg was tethered down and right. so they're actually pretty fun. I, really? I gotta admit we I, need to we need to find some and, and break out Christmas break out. well your birthday is right around the corner, buddy. Well speaking of birthdays, happy birthday by the way. <sighs> I don't want to talk about it. Yeah. 32 and we've been doing this podcast now for two years by the way we just yeah. passed our two-year anniversary we so did congratulations doc hendrix runs down the survivor series card for us they highlight the undertaker mankind feud did you want to see those guys on this card sorry just a promo kevin is back with pillman and he talks about his attack on superstars and says austin you've crossed the line buddy Kelly tells Pillman, Austin is on the way here. And Vince adds, he's circling the neighborhood, which makes no sense. Why would you circle? Just pull in the driveway and go. Well, he's, he's trying to make sure he's got the right house. Oh, okay. <laughs> this was before uh, iPhones and yeah. GPS, yeah. so he had to make sure. Just the giant WWF truck out there yeah, he, or the ones running where, the satellite feed. Is yeah, not, or, or the, the lighting rigs in the driveway. Probably yeah, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't 
you know, that could be just some reality TV show. So you got to make sure. Yeah. Pillman pulls out a gun and says he's got a 9mm that will take care of Austin 316. Brian Pillman along with Kevin Kelly. And, of course, everyone knows of the injury sustained rather uh, at the well, WWF Superstructs about a week ago. And, uh, Kevin, would you uh, proceed with the interview? Yes, uh, Vince, it's a very tense scene here in suburban Cincinnati tonight. Brian, I have to ask you, after the unprovoked savage attack last week on WWF Superstars, you had, I understand, reconstructive surgery once again on your ankle. Can you give us the prognosis? What have the doctors told you about your recovery? Look, Kelly, I'm alive and well. I got an excellent prognosis for 97. But let's talk about Mr. Austin's prognosis. I've been in bitter feuds many, many times in this sport. There's a fine line between business and private lives. Austin, you've crossed that line. You've made this personal. And now we're operating on a whole different set of rules, son. And Brian, we heard earlier that uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin could be on his way to your home here tonight. Uh, I, you Actually, can't move. Kev, if I can inter interject this, uh, I have, so I'm told that, uh, in fact, that we have uh, Mr. Austin circling the neighborhood. And I just wonder oh. whether or not, from your standpoint, uh, Mr. Pillman, if you can hear me, it seems to me that considering your vulnerability with your wife, Melanie, and with... Well, Steve Austin's very vulnerable as well. well, well I not think what, do you his feel rage has blinded him to the fact that his best friend knows him better than anybody. Do you feel it... His strengths, his weaknesses, and certainly his fears. Notwithstanding your bravado, do you feel a hostage? Do you feel like you're a hostage in your own home tonight? Ah, Steve is a dead man walking because when Austin 316... Meets Pillman. Oh my God! Nine millimeter oh my God! I'm gonna blast his serious. He's out straight there, man. To hell. He's a Steve Austin's out there now, man. What? The Karate Fighters Holiday Tournament is underway. That's our next match on the card. Psycho Sid will take on Marlena. I'd say this is a bit of a mismatch here. Absolutely. Todd Pettengill and Jerry Lawler are our hosts for this Karate Fighters Tournament. Sid easily defeats Marlena and is on to the next round. What? Who was Marlena fighting with? I didn't get the name of the actual karate fighters, but she was at a disadvantage because Sid's reflexes from playing so much softball, I think, really <laughs> did her in. <laughs> That's true. Samurai Ninja. Unstoppable. Headstone. Uncontrollable. Cyber Fist. Unbelievable. Tiger Ninja. Incomparable. And now, the Milton Bradley Karate Fighters Holiday Tournament. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the tournament. This week's matchup, Psycho Sid taking on Marlena. Looks to be a huge mismatch, King. You got that right, Pettengill. Sid may have the size, but nobody's got the directing ability of Marlena. Speaking of Marlena, let's take you to these comments recorded early. Sweetheart, you pull this scene off for me, and I'll make you the biggest star in this town. I think she's in la-la land. I'm going with Psycho Sid. Height advantage, weight advantage, no question about it. Let's take her to the action. Karate fighter Coliseum and Carve Albert. Take it away, Toupee. Kind words from the king. And we're underway here at Karate Fighter Coliseum. Yes, it's good. What? Let's take a look at the replay from our crack staff. Cyberfist with the elbow, a spectacular move. Cyberfist, you'll never work in this town again. Boys, let's do a reshoot. Telling you, Sid was impressive. He's got to be the favorite to win this whole tournament. If you ask me, he's the favorite to be the bellboy at the Bates Motel. Sid advances, and next week in the tournament, Doc Hendricks takes on the lovely Sable. We'll see you then. 
Next week, though, oh boy, set your VCRs now. Doc Hendricks will take on Sable in the Karate Fighters Tournament. So there you go. Austin, uh uh-oh, has arrived on the Pillman compound and starts beating the shit out of Pillman's friends in the driveway. These are some of his uh, his old football buddies. Yeah, they didn't do a good job of stopping him, though. No, he He, tore through these three guys like nothing. He beats the shit out of them. He throws one in a kiddie pool and rips the shirt off of another one. So, hey, man, that guy, he owes him a shirt. Slam a car door into his head. (laughs) Yes. Yes. He slings one into a garage door and then smothers one in the door of the Jeep. Then he throws a wagon at one. Amazing they have a beautiful lighting rig for this. It's yeah. just it's weird. Yeah. A coincidence. And that was no rubber mate uh, wagon, by the way. That was no that was no rubber mate wagon, by the way. That was a full blown radio flyer, solid steel that he just chucks at this poor man. Austin goes to the front door. Alex the pug is in the ring. A uh classic jobber from the uh new gen era. Rikishi, or the Sultan, as he was called, is out next with Shiki Baby. And he's also got Bob Backlund as a manager, which I had no recollection of. Backlund says the Sultan will bring us into the 21st century with the WWF title. He was wrong. Shiki Baby is just standing there. Sultan locks on the camel clutch on Alex the Pug and wins the match. That's pretty much the match. Yeah, and we go right back to Pillman's house where the real main events are happening. Pillman is just sitting, holding his gun close, waiting for what happens next. At which point in time, a very... Just like a zombie movie. Angry Austin punches out the back window of the back door. Now, he could have just kicked in the door or maybe tried the garage, maybe driven the Jeep through the garage door. Instead, this man smashed through the window like a zombie. Reaches through, unlocks the door. That was nice of him. Comes in. Pillman loses his mind, stands up, and points this 9mm at Austin. That's right. Just in time for the feed to cut out. What are the What are the odds of that, Patrick? That's some bullshit, isn't it? It is. We Austin has been shot and killed. This yeah. is crazy. The biggest... What would be the biggest star in the company has been shot and killed by Brian Pillman. Yeah. It's sad. Well, it, was, it was a home invasion, so, I mean. He, yeah. he was in his rights to do it. That's true. He really was. I mean, his friends had already been assaulted, and uh, the guy's on one leg. Yeah. I mean, he's really got no other option. I yeah. mean, he wasn't going to send his wife to fight Stone Cold. So. Right. So the feed cuts out. Now it's time for a face-to-face debate when they used to wheel the podium out to Raw. Remember that? They did this a few times. They had an infamous one with uh, Jerry the King Lawler and Paul Heyman about ECW with this podium in the middle of the ring. But instead of those two, it's HBK and Psycho Sid just having a casual debate. Just two guys, you know, going to have a title match set up. It's like debate team here. Yeah. It's back to high school. Sean, he says, yeah, I forgive you for powerbombing me multiple times a few years ago, Sid. It's, It's fine. Everything's fine now. Sid says, that's bullshit. Then he screams about not coming out of a loony bin because apparently that's where he had been all these years. Yeah, Sean was sitting there trying to keep up with the Psycho Sid gimmick and Sid's not going with it. And 
I mean, I feel like Sid just dropped the ball there. He really should have gone with it because it would have made it more more believable. He should have been in a straitjacket. Sean plays the clueless babyface and seems to accept Sid's apology for elbowing him last week, which makes no sense. Sean just says, Sid, you're just not in my league, pal. Michaels then throws the podium over, and Sid, instead of threatening Shawn Michaels, who just destroyed the podium, grabs poor Jose Lothario. They shove each other, and then Jim Cornette comes out with Vader, Owen, and Bulldog, his stable. Cornette's crew surrounds the ring, and uh uh-oh, our two main eventers are in trouble, but they team together. They're back-to-back. Well, they'll be taking on the tag team champions next week on Raw, by the way. Yes, a common trope in the uh, 90s of uh, title contenders just happen to be tag team partners going for the belts. Yeah. It's always what they did. So, uh... Owen hits Sid in the back with a chair. Yeah. But Sean boots Owen out of the ring, picks up the chair, but Sid sees him holding the chair. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. You hit me with the chair. What the hell? He's got half the brain that you do. So, of course, he would think that. The main eventers then dispatch Cornette's crew before getting into each other's faces. And there you go. That's our build. We have, this isn't the go-home show. They have one more week to build this. But, boy, there is this is just a heatless main event for me. And this that, is right before Sean would lose his smile because he knew that Brett was around the corner. So, yeah. I could tell that he was not very invested in this match. So. Yeah. Freddie Blassie is in an ad for Full Metal the Album. Back when WWF used to release these music albums. Don't know what was on Full Metal. Do you have this CD? No, because a lot of times they would repeat songs on the albums. Like, Sexy Boy was on, like, 20 albums. Undertaker. Yeah, like, so I just... And also, it's the same thing with the video game. I hate getting the albums, and then the wrestlers are gone. Like, Ahmed Johnson's theme might be on this album. He'll be gone in two months, you know? So it's like... It always kind of bummed me out that yeah. they can't ever get it right, you yeah. know. Uh, but they they did have some good albums. Some of them even made the Billboard charts. So. I do have this CD, by the way, if you would like to borrow it at any given point in time. That's okay. That's what YouTube's for. So, Vince recaps what happens at Pillman's house earlier. Now, mind you, this is an hour show, so it's not like this is a three-hour Raw where we have to remind you what happened. This, this is pointless. It just happened it 15, just, yeah. 15 minutes. Time for your main event. And Patrick was going through the roof for this one as oh. his favorite wrestler of all Static. time, Mark Marrow, his PWI number one of all time, Mark Marrow, is P- out with Sable. PWI is more like POS. Sable, who's on the cover of Raw Magazine, posing nearly nude, but not nude. Give it a few years. He's going to take on Razor Ramon and Diesel. Just kidding. It's the fake Razor Ramon and fake Diesel, who would later become, yes, the mayor of Knox County, and uh, Rick Bogner, Razor Ramon, who would go on to have a good uh, two-year career in Japan after leaving the WWF. And become WWE Hall of Famer. It's true. They introduced... It's so weird to me that they inducted... Kevin Nash was inducted as Kevin Nash. Yeah. Scott Hall was inducted as Razor Ramon. Why would you do that? Yeah, okay. So, during the induction speech, it was short and sweet for Scott Hall. Yeah. But I love how he did it in character. That was that was badass. 
I mean, you're you're inducting the character, so why not do it in character? I actually enjoyed it. Well, Rick uh, Wagner should have got a speech too. I think that's true. Jim Ross sits in, and uh, this is during his heel turn, so he takes a seat at the table too. We take a cell phone call from Kerwin Silfies, who used to be a production manager for the WWF. I'm He's glad, a, at I'm the, glad you could pronounce his name because I couldn't. Uh, the video feed's still cut out. He says he heard explosions. These would not be addressed later in the show. What blew up? Not at all. I just thought it was weird. Why even mention that if you've got no explanation later on? Anyway. They're making it sound like maybe. Perhaps gunshots. Gunshots. He's going to try and get the satellite link back up, but they don't want to go outside. It's too dangerous. Why is it dangerous outside? The shooting took place inside. You never know. You never know. Close enough. The alleged shooting that didn't happen. Pillman's going to, you know, hobble outside with a gun and just start killing everybody. So. <laughs> no no witnesses. Yeah. Kerwin calls back after the break. The house is dark. Uh, Vince says, have uh, the cops been called? And Kerwin's like, yes, they've been called, but no authorities have arrived on the scene. How lazy are these cops? <laughs> they just heard a shooting's taking place. At least 10 minutes ago. Nah, nah, we'll just get there when we get there. Uh, it was long. It had to have been like 25 or 30, and they're still not there. That, you know, don't live in Kentucky slash Cincinnati. Yeah, wherever Brian Pillman used to live, uh, the police response there is very slow. Very slow. Uh, Kerwin gets distracted by something and hangs up the phone. JR blames the Pillman stuff on Vince, which is pretty funny. <laughs> this is all your fault. For sending a camera crew out there. You knew this would happen. Do you miss JR bitching with Vince almost on a weekly basis? I do miss a good heel commentator. JR had some good lines tonight, but JR overall was not a good heel commentator. But I miss the days of, you know, a Bobby Heenan. Yeah. You know, I just... actually felt like this was a little bit real because this is coming off of his first firing with his Bell's palsy attack. And so I feel like he was a little bit pissed off. He comes back. He gets rehired. But he's like, you know what? You fucking fired me when I was sick. What the fuck is your problem? Well, now he's got to manage these, these jobbers yeah. that are that are being promoted as fake. Yeah. He can't even. It's almost like he was being set up to fail to a degree. And he was pissed and letting Vince know about it publicly. And I thought it was done very well. Now, whether it was real or not, I'm not sure. But. I miss a good heel commentator, though, like uh, Jesse Ventura or yeah. uh, Bobby the Brain. Yeah. Somebody that, that that doesn't overdo it, sort of like, because Corey Graves and Michael Cole in their heel incarnations, it's just, it's so forced. It doesn't feel natural. It feels like they're trying to get themselves over. And, uh, you know, Bobby the Brain was never about that. No. And, and Jesse Ventura was never about that. And they had good a uh, good repertoire with the with the face announcer, and that's just something that's missing from wrestling in general, right? I now. do agree. So we get a missile drop kick from Wildman, and he gets a two on Fake Razor Ramon. Marrow hits a Frankenstein'er for a two count. Mister Perfect and Triple H come out. They're scouting their Survivor Series opponents. It's big and bad, and it's coming soon. It's the Big Bad Boom Tour. Get your tickets now. Mark Marrow, I can't wait. I can't either. I think the phone number's been disconnected, sadly. Mark Marrow goes for the moonsault, but Triple H throws him down. 
Bogner calls for the razor's edge, hits it, and wins. So tonight, ladies and gentlemen, in Fort Wayne, Indiana, you got three matches. And a face-to-face for about five minutes. The crowd boos this. They hated this. Then we go back to Pillman highlights from earlier in the night. As I said, this is an hour show, so we just saw this, but we need to see it again. But we've reestablished the feed, Patrick. It's time to go back. Pillman is being held back by his friends who have recovered from being beaten the shit out of. They can now hold him back. A man with one leg, I guess they can hold him back. Kelly then reminds us that nobody has been shot. Then where did the fucking explosions come from? What was in the gun? What did, Why did he point a gun if he what? They always say, if you point a gun, you better use it. That's true. That is very true. Because you're going to get in as much trouble for pointing it at somebody as you are for using it. So you might as well use it. So don't, and also don't point a gun for little kids out there going to hunting, you know, anything like that. Don't Don't point it at something you don't intend to shoot. You don't intend to shoot. That is very, that is a God's honest true statement. So Kelly says nobody's been shot. Austin saw the gun and left. What a pussy. This is supposed to be our badass heel. He came charging in this house, broke a window, beat the shit out of the friends, dunked him in the pool, slammed him in the Jeep, broke, breaking and entering, walked right towards that gun, saw the gun, said, whoop, I'm out of here. (laughs) But oh my God, he's back. What the hell? We reestablished our feed. Stay with us. This this happened earlier tonight. We're going to take you back live. We're going to take, that's what happened. We lost, we are live. This is live. Power's been restored, Vince. Guys, everybody is here inside the house. Kevin Kelly, there's chaos there. I do not know where Stone Cold Steve Austin is right now. Was any, did anybody fire a shot? Is is anyone hurt? It's a crazy scene here inside the home. Did anybody get shot? And and Brian Pillman being restrained by his friends. Nobody's been shot. What? Nobody's been struck by any of the any of the explosions. Do you do you know where Austin is? Vince, I'm sorry. Can you hear me? Do you know where Austin is? I do not is? know where Steve Austin is. What was more damage? He saw the gun. Was he more damage? And he left. Oh what? my God, he's back! God. Let him go. This son of a bitch got this cover. Let him go. I'm gonna kill that son of a bitch. Let him go. Call the police! Call the police! Call the police! All right. Get him out of here! Grab him, Kevin! Grab the gun! Grab the gun! Somebody get the gun! Pillman says, get out of the way! Get out of the... Fucking way. That's right. It went unbleeped on the network. And this is actually what got them in trouble with USA. Not the gun angle because USA had a lot of uh, shows that had guns on TV at the time. And this was not when they were TV PG. Uh, Raw was. And they had like Pacific Blue and La Femme Nikita. And even today they have Law and Order. And people are getting shot left and right on USA. So they weren't upset about the gun. But they were upset that Pillman yelled, get out of the fucking way. And so Vince had to apologize for this. And they got threatened 
uh, with getting kicked off, but uh, it was never really that serious because they were back the next week. So or if they had, they had went any other place would have picked them up immediately. Well, yeah, especially, I mean, well, they were getting their ass kicked by WCW at this time. I mean, this is uh, November of 96. The NWO is in full effect. I mean, but wrestling's starting to heat up. The NWO totally uh, energized pro wrestling and yeah. pro wrestling fans. And so, yeah, another network would have picked them up if they got if they got booted off. But USA would have been stupid to, to have booted them. But this is just a very strange episode of Raw. It, it, it's almost a one-off. It really is almost like... You're just tuning in to see Pillman and Austin. Really? Yeah, but but the thing is, it would be months later before Pillman could get his comeuppance against Austin yeah. because he'd have to let his leg heal. He ended up jumping him in the ring and doing the chair thing to Austin's ankle in April of 97. So it's weird that they... It's just so weird to me that they put so much focus... Between Austin and Pillman, when at Survivor Series, it's Austin and Hart. And I get that Pillman is aligned with the Hearts, you know, but it's still not, it's not blood. It's not like he's attacking Owen. It's, it's, and also, I think it hurts not being able to establish their history with one another, you know, the Hollywood blondes and everything else. And really, it's so crazy, this... Most of the time, Raw, I think, is a, is a show that you have to kind of watch, you know, religiously to understand what's going on and to understand the feuds and everything. But I think this is actually an episode of Raw you could view as never seeing. You could have never seen another episode of Raw and just watch this. And you would have known what was going on. It's very simple. Yeah, it's a very simple. This is, yeah. this is like an episode of, uh, you know cops or something you know this is just a a very unique approach to a pro wrestling program and it's uh kind of i'd say cutting edge because it's a wrestling program with no emphasis on wrestling and this is something that vince russo would try in wcw in 2000 uh much much shittier than this but viagra on a pole and but i gotta say this is entertaining this was uh, ground. This was, this was a great show at the time. This was groundbreaking entertainment, and it, it blurred the lines between reality and fiction. I mean, yeah, you you could say, oh, well, there's a lighting rig there, and there's a camera crew there, or whatever. But it, I think, it was before the era of reality TV, where we're so accustomed to, oh, this is staged. You know, the Bella Twins are going bowling, like. You know, like, you know, just all that kind of bullshit, fake reality stuff, you know. This is kind of before that, and I, I just thought this was pretty groundbreaking uh, for Raw. I wouldn't do it every week, obviously. And mm. if you're a wrestling fan, you would, if, you, if you're a fan of in-ring competition, this is a terrible, terrible show. But if you want to be entertained and just be shocked... And uh, see something that they would never do again. I mean, this will never be repeated. And uh, just a really unique uh, episode. And uh, for that reason, on our rating scale, well, before I get to the rating scale, what did you think of the episode? Oh, I enjoyed it. Uh, matches were shit, but I did like the face-to-face, and I did. I loved the Austin Pillman. I thought that face-to-face was really weird with the podium being in there. And I feel really sorry for the live crowd. I hope they got a great dark match uh, that night. Oh, yeah. They needed something with Sean, at least, or 
or somebody. So I don't even think you had a champion on the card at all. No, you you. Well, the, I think the tag champs might have been Owen and Bulldog, but they were just in that run. They were that run in for the face to face. So you didn't even see a championship match, whether it be title on the line or not. This goes against my conventional uh, voting on our rating scale of Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez because what what I bitched to you about all in uh, in that that Cody and Magnus match was that I didn't really enjoy the in ring. Well. There's no in-ring here tonight, but I really enjoyed this show. So yeah. it goes sort of against what I like. I like really great wrestling matches, but at the same time, I really enjoy being entertained, and I can't say I wasn't entertained by this. Uh, so I'm probably going to give this a... I'm going to give this a Vader, as he was on this show for a brief second. So I'm going to give this a big Van Vader as uh, to try something different. It was something different. I'm going to go with the Psycho Sid. He was on the show. He's a big man. It shows how groundbreaking and well done this show was done, uh, put together, and I really enjoyed it. And really, the the seeds of the Attitude Era, We we there's so many different places where you can say, you could say the character of Goldust and the Backlot Brawl was kind of the seeds of the Attitude Era. You can go back to Austin 316 at King of the Ring earlier in 96. But, uh, you know, this, I think this is, could be up there. This could be debated as really the start of, you know, edgy, edgy pro adult oriented programming. Yeah. Edgy content. And, uh, and in the early nineties, you didn't see Hulk Hogan pull a gun on ultimate warrior (laughs) and the mega powers explode. Macho man didn't pull a gun on Hulk Hogan. However, he probably wanted to. Yes. Well, he was messing with his wife. And uh, it's no need to murder somebody, but uh, I'm not advocating for gun violence. By the way, I I am not a fan of guns. By the way, so this is but this is this is showbiz. This is entertainment. This is fiction. So, and uh, yeah. So Patrick, that was this week. This was Raw from November fourth, nineteen ninety six, heading into Survivor Series ninety six, which you inform me is a review we've already done. So, it's your pick this week. Where would you like to go next week on the Retro Wrestling Podcast as we enter episode number 92? We're getting close to Halloween. So, we're getting close to the whole, you know, Halloween spirit. We're getting close to uh, to all that. We're going to stick with, uh, with 96. And also, in regards to Foley making his 20-year return, to a hell in a cell. We're going to stick with Foley and Mick Foley being a part of what Shawn Michaels said in his book is his greatest match of all time. And I think Mick might have said that. I'm not sure Shawn did. And so, I mean, one of these two men thinking that it's the greatest match in their career, that is, uh, that's, that's huge. So, Halloween, Mick Foley... Sticking in 96, what better than In Your House Mind Games? Mind Games. Yeah, a uh, really good match between uh, Mick Foley and Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels in the prime of his career, taking on Mick Foley before he was completely broken. So The, the boyhood dream. I mean, The boyhood dream uh, did come true, and uh, it would be... Uh, 
continuing against this match against uh, McFoley as Mankind. So I look forward to rewatching this match. It's a, it's a great match. You know, no crazy steps, you know, uh, no hell in a cell, no ladder, no first blood, no uh, falls count anywhere street fight. Just a good one-on-one match between two excellent competitors. Now, so. for other matches on the card, don't go into it with a high expectation, all right? Well, as was the case in most WWF pay-per-views uh, for a long time. So, well, until next week, Patrick, that'll do it. This file, hopefully, will not be corrupt since we're on good equipment this week. <laughs> and uh, that'll do it for this week. I'm Intern Alex. I'm the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying, as always, my closing line's a clothesline. And bingo, bingo. If anybody's going to Brian's house next week, well, you can damn well bet that Stone Cold Steve Austin's going to be there. Because if you're going to have a little party with some cripple freak, you can bet I'll be there. And that's the bottom don't line. You, don't you think you've done enough to Brian Pillman? What do you mean, done enough? He was willing to work no matter what. I mean, you couldn't hardly keep him out of the ring. And I think his desire to try to go back early was what contributed to maybe, you know, him having to come back and have a couple of surgeries. He was too eager to get back in the ring and get back to doing what he was hard to keep down. Steve is a dead man walking because when Austin 316 meets Pillman, oh my God, not oh my God, I'm gonna blow his serious straight down. Steve Austin's out there now, man. What? I remember when we did the gun angle in uh, Cincinnati, Brian's house. Uh... It was right after the second surgery, when I believe when they f- actually fused his ankle together. He may have had a few more minor surgeries after that, but this was the big one. And, I mean, his ankle was still wrapped up in, in casts. And, I mean, he, he still, it was, gosh, it was probably not even a week or so after the surgery. All right, we heard Stone Cold Steve Austin outside. He's been making his way around all the way to the back of the house, screaming and yelling, Pillman's got this pistol out, and I don't know what the hell is going on here. This is ridiculous. Pillman's got this, um, what the, what the hell is that? I I mean, at one point, I thought Brian was going to get up, and he's got a really screwed up ankle that he could not walk on. He was thinking of getting up. You know, the rest is history. Does somebody call the police? It's Austin! Get out of there, Steve! Don't go in there! Don't go in there! I think a lot of it was done for shock value as far as the gun and everything, but it was a kind of a turning point for wrestling because it was when they started wanting to get into doing things that were a little more shocking, but then they, they had to draw the line between what's entertainment and what's real, and I think Brian liked being a part of, of that change. Do you know where Austin is? Vince, I'm sorry. Can you hear me? Do you know where Austin is? I do not is? know where Steve Austin is. What was more damage? He saw the gun. Was more damage? And he left. Oh my God, he's back! Of course, the network wasn't very excited about it. I think they would have preferred that a gun had not been pointed at someone on live television and in a very real live type scenario that we had, and they probably requested that we not do anything like that ever again. It helped us turn the corner, as far as I'm concerned. I remember uh, getting on the airplane the next day out of the uh, airport. A lot of the uh, WCW guys were getting uh, on this on the same aircraft because they were uh, in the same uh, area as we were. And, uh, you know, they were kind of shocked and blown away a little bit by it and thought we were getting kind of crazy. I have to honestly say, at that time, I thought that Brian took that just a little too far. It was 
a move that I knew was going to generate a lot of negative publicity. I said to some of my colleagues at the time, I said, what the hell are they going to do after this, a drive-by? So it seemed a little extreme, but boy, it did get some, some attention, some big-time attention. It gave the critics of our industry, and there are many, way too much ammunition, no pun intended, to criticize us for. So I, I was a little concerned with it. I think it was one of the pivotal moments after they pretty much uh, whipped our ass there for a while in the ratings. Uh, we were getting ready to start turning the corner on those guys, and, and we did. I think it served a purpose because it did get people's attention. So here again, McMahon, you can say what you want about the guy, that he went too far, he went over the line, but it worked. Quite simply put, it worked.